Hey, Salt Lake, at the risk of being too personal, is your mattress sagging? If you are rolling into a taco every night, I am begging you to visit your local mattress warehouse and just try something a little firmer. Your spine is the center of your being, and I don't just want you to have good posture. I want you to Disney princess your way around this city, flush with optimism from a good night's sleep. Visit mattresswarehouseutah.com to find the location nearest you. That's mattresswarehouseutah.com. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. It's spring, which means local hibernators are waking up. And so should we. Jeff and Wes Larson are the hosts of the Tooth and Claw podcast. Wes is a bear biologist, and his brother Jeff has helped out with some of his field research in Utah. On their show, they break down animal attack stories for greater understanding. But today, they're here to myth bust about Utah's black bears. It's Tuesday, May 2nd. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Wes and Jeff Larson, hosts of the Tooth and Claw podcast. We're going to get down and dirty today talking about black bears. But I have to just tell you before we get into it, when I first moved to Utah, one of the first lies that was told to me about the state is that we don't have bears. (laughs) And actually, I'm going to out producer Emily Means, who when I pitched her this show was like, why would we do a show about bears? We don't have bears in Utah. Really? Yeah. (laughs) It's it's surprising. People don't see it as like a very berry state. Yeah. Why is that? There's a healthy population of black bears. It's because it's not, they're not nearly as, as prolific as you would find in like Idaho or Montana or Wyoming. And there's no grizzly bears in Utah. And like wherever you have grizzly bears, like bears are constantly on your mind. But in places where there aren't grizzlies, it doesn't really have the same feel sometimes. So I think that's the main thing. They're really like don't want to get involved with people in Utah for the most part. Yeah, we have pretty shy bears in Utah. Uh, The LaSalle's and the Book Cliffs both have really healthy black bear populations. Yeah, but where we did our research, where I did my black bear project in Utah, and then Jeff was my field tech, near Bryce Canyon National Park, there was a very loosely, like not a very dense population of, of bears. Not many bears there at all. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the desert thing. Like we don't think of bears in the desert. Yeah, and most of the there, camping though. we do is desert camping here. You can run into one just about anywhere in Utah. Crazy thing, the only fatality like in recent years was right by Provo, right? The only fatality in Utah recorded history, yeah, was in American Fort Canyon. Utah's only ever had one bear fatality. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that makes me feel better. So black bears are so, it's so rare that they attack people. They're very shy. It's literally one in a million bears that will see people as a source of food. But when they do, it's probably the worst way to go when it comes to an animal attack. A black bear? Yeah. Because Not a grizzly? Yeah. A grizzly is so powerful that it's just like that devastating kind of power. You don't know. It might rip your throat out. There was a lot of things that could happen. A black bear is literally just going to sit on you and eat you. And you're probably going to bleed out. And that's probably how you're going to die. It's a bad way to go. It's not great. Yeah. But again, this is incredibly rare. So since 1900, up until pretty much the present day, there's only been 70 people in North America that have been killed by black bears. And when you look at it, there's millions and millions and millions of interactions every year with people and black bears in tons of different state parks, national parks. 
there are people interacting with these animals every single day. And almost always that interaction involves a person walking up and the bear running away. And that's what mm. you should expect from a black bear interaction. Well, can you paint a picture for us of what your bear research in Utah has been like? And Jeff, you were in the field together, right? Yeah. Tell me a den story, because that's why we're having this conversation, right? Like, it, this is the end of hibernation. This is the time of year that I start to get paranoid. This conversation is already not helping. <laughs> so go ahead and hit us with a den story. Yeah. So, like, first an overview, like, me and Wes had GPS callers. I mean, as Wes's research project and I as his field tech in Bryce National Park, like, right outside the park in the Ponsagon. And... What, we had like 14 bears in total with GPS collars, Wes? Is that right? Yeah, something like that that we yeah. caught and collared. So then like you'd have to go to the dens in the winter because like when bears hibernate, they can put on so much weight that like you just need to make sure that the collar doesn't get too tight for them. And... Sorry, wait, you were going into their dens? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is something that you can only do with black bears. You can't do that with a grizzly bear. It would absolutely no. murder you if you tried to go into its its winter den. But with mm -hmm. black bears, if you can sedate the bear inside the den and then keep it in there, you it's very safe. And, and most black bear biologists do this. Really, the main risk is the bear running out and getting away. It was actually not as crazy as you would imagine because you could kind of, Wes would like be able to halfway go in the den and halfway be outside. And the bear would just be like, it'd be awake every time, but then they'd be afraid of us most of the time. And they would kind of corner themselves and then Wes could jab them. It's like a, it's like a six foot long pole with a sedative at the end. A syringe. Uh-huh, a syringe. So Wes would jab the bear and then we'd wait until it fell asleep and just make adjustments and like make sure the bear's healthy and everything. Count cubs if it was a female. Yeah. But there was a couple of dens that were just like so crazy and so scary. What made them scary? I can feel my chest tightening. The scary ones is like when you get to the GPS point and you still like don't see where the den is. And then we're like, oh man, this thing's gonna be like buried somewhere. So there's one where it was like, we were looking for a little bit and then we saw like this little crevice in these rocks. You kind of almost had to like slide down in between these narrow rocks and like you just laid oh. on your back and like slid down into like a cave where there's a GPS point where there is a bear. It was ice coated too. So you, once you get in it, you just like slipped all the way down into this like little narrow cave. How do you get out? That's It's scary because it's like, how are we going to get out? But like... We ended up going in and then it kind of opened up a little bit inside, but there's like no bear, but then it kept going and like, it was like super narrow and Wes is smaller than I am. So he's like, you know, I'm just going to go like through this next section and see if the bear is in there. And he's like, I'm not sure if I can get out if I go in there. So, like, you stay here and just, like, pull me back out, you know? So he, like, <sighs> literally, like, squeezes his body through this entrance. And then, like, I, like, hand him the, like, uh, jab stick, it's called, afterwards with the sedative. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. he, like, shines his light around. Like, he's in this, like, new opening. And he, like, shines his light and sees the bear. And then, like... All I'm getting on this like outside part is just audio. There's the bear. 
So then I'm like freaking out because I have like no control over the situation. It's like when you're like in the passenger seat of someone driving like way too fast and you just feel like yeah. you have zero control over the situation, you know? And that person is your sibling, which I feel like <laughs> yeah. adds a level of tension yeah. that is unparalleled. Wes starts saying, oh, she's mad at me. She's going to bite me. But he's just like talking <laughs> out loud, you know? So I was like, wait, is it like attacking you right now? But yeah, what was your perspective in there, Wes? She was around a right corner and I couldn't. I could only see her head poking out. And to inject this sedative, you need to get into like a muscle mass. So I didn't want to poke her in the head, obviously. And I stuck my jab stick out kind of in front of her to see if I could entice her to come out a little more to get the poke into her shoulder. And she just ripped it out of my hands. She grabbed it with her teeth and, and kind of did a growl and ripped it out of my hands. And that was really abnormal for what we had been dealing with. Like most of the time they cornered themselves. It happens sometimes, but usually you have like the bear will then push its back itself further back. And I didn't know I couldn't get in front of her because then I would have been like a foot away from her. And so at that point, I was just like, "Okay, we're done. We're not doing this one. And Jeff pulled me out and we managed to kind of like Spider-Man our way out of the out of the den. Her collar was fine. I got a good look at it just looking at her. But um we were hoping that she might have cubs and we could count them and, and get them entered into the database. But uh, yeah, we just, we got out of there. <laughs> well, I'm surprised that the goal here is to kind of sneak up on them. Cause I would think that that's the last thing you want to do. Yeah, they are hibernators. There's a lot of kind of confusion around bears, whether or not they're actual hibernators or not. And, and most bear biologists now agree that they are hibernators but they're really efficient hibernators. So they don't have to drop their body metabolism and, and all their like body processes to the level that like a ground squirrel or something would. And so because of that, they can come out of their hibernation really quickly. So if they hear something approaching their den or coming up the snow toward their den entrance, they start waking up and within like five to 10 minutes, they'll be fully awake. I mean, they hear so well, like we were never quiet enough to fully get them when they were like totally out still. And so they always were at least coming out of that hibernation and they're a little groggy usually, but that bear had probably heard us for 20 minutes by that point and she was, she was wide awake. Salt Lake City, what if this is the year you host Easter dinner or brunch? Harmon's makes big meals easy to prepare with delicious holiday specialties made from scratch. Just heat and serve, baby. Lay a pre-cooked honey ham on the table and absorb the compliments from your family or friends. They don't need to know you napped instead of staring down the oven. And if you're not the host but need something to bring, here are just a few of my favorite spring ideas. First of all, Harmon's fragrant Easter lilies will impress anybody's mom or delight a neighbor. Now there's no need to even heat up a pre-made side like deviled eggs or fresh cut pineapple, but bonus points if you transfer them into your own dish. And as listeners of this show well know, I will lose my mind if you show up to my house with Harmon's Hot Cross Buns. I invite you to make some new Easter traditions with Harmon's. Part of the reason that we invited you on this show is to talk about bear safety. And I feel like what you would tell listeners is don't do a single thing (laughs) that you guys did in that story. Exactly. 
So for regular people who are like on the trail, how do we coexist? This definitely is like my bread and butter. Um, I've studied human bear conflict with four different species now. Grizzly bears, polar bears, black bears, and sloth bears in India. And black bears of all of those bear species, probably of all the bear species in the world, are some of the easiest to coexist with. They Hmm, are very shy. They've evolved to climb trees, which gives them a really good means of escape. Whereas a grizzly bear has evolved to spend more time on the ground digging up stuff. They don't climb nearly as well, and they're much more likely just to engage whatever is threatening them. A black bear knows that it has a way to get away. So rather than engage, rather than come at you, it's going to try and get up a tree or just run away. And every once in a while, if a person pushes a bear a little too hard or if there's some kind of other circumstance, they'll do this big display where they swat the ground and they make like a sound and they clack their jaws and they do this whole thing. And then sometimes they'll bluff charge you. And that's all a display. That's the bear telling you, hey, I'm a bear. You shouldn't mess with me. But like hardly ever do they actually make contact with a person when they're doing that. That's just a bear being defensive. Really, the only bear that you have to watch out for in Utah, because all we have in Utah are black bears, is a bear that's really following you and being really sneaky. If you've got a Mm. bear that's that's like following you and it's got its ears kind of perked up and it's like listening and it's like in stalking behavior... If you're like, if you get off a trail and it follows you off the trail, that's a bear that maybe is investigating you as a source of food. And that's a bear that you need to be very aggressive with. Allie, what do you think you should do if a bear's following you? <laughs> okay, yeah. First of all, how do I know if a bear is following me? Like that to me feels impossible. You'll know. I mean, it's like if you're walking a trail and you see a bear walking the same trail, you can just stand off the trail and it's going to keep going. But if it then follows you or if it's like hiding behind trees or kind of like if you can see that it's just totally focused on you, it's very obvious generally. And and that's the one type of black bear that you have to be really concerned about. And that's yeah. why I do recommend people should always have bear spray with them when they're in any kind of bear habitat because it works. It works incredibly effectively. Hmm. It creates a whole cloud of pepper spray that the bear has to pass through. And it just chokes them. It, it shuts off their smell, their sight. They're like, they can't taste anything anymore. For them, it's just like lights are out and they get out of there. Okay. I want to hear Allie's thoughts right now. She looks so <laughs> no, concerned. I'm like, I hear like, you, Jeff. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm go dodging hike. it. I'm not hiking at all this summer is what I see on your face. No, if I'm, if that's me in that situation and I think I'm being followed by a bear, I'm calling Wes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's fine. You got my number. Like, Wes, it's yeah. Allie. Uh, we talked once and uh, I'm in danger. What do you think is like the worst thing you could do? Well, oh God, this is the problem is that like, We talk to like wildlife people often and I feel like sometimes the guidance is similar and sometimes it's different. So my guess would be worst thing I can do is run. Exactly. My guess is what I need to do is like do. Okay, here's what I know. Like stand your ground, Mm -hmm. do the like ho bear, low voice, (laughs) make yourself big, right? Like smash things. I don't know. Basically throw a tantrum. Those are all things that will work. But what you just said is really important that there's like all this information And what you don't want is for someone to have this encounter that they only have a few seconds to really decide what to do. And they're like, okay, what am I supposed to do? I need to run through all these things in my head. So what I would, I would advise is like three things. And if everyone just remembers these three things, it'll greatly, greatly, greatly reduce their chance of ever having a negative encounter with a bear. And those three things are grouping up, 
So if you're in a group of people that spread out at all, come together as one big cohesive group because bears do not like engaging with groups of people. They simply don't like it. So number one, okay. group up. Number two, get your bear spray out and get it ready. And you might say like, what if I don't have bear spray? Well, what if I'm not wearing my seatbelt in a car accident? You know, it's just right. like you are taking a risk then that you don't need to take. Have some kind of deterrent. Bear spray is cheap. It's readily available. It's easy to carry. There's no excuse to be hiking in bear country without it. So have bear spray ready and then just slowly back away. So those three things will work with both species, with grizzlies and black bears. It will greatly reduce your chances. Well, I hear you saying if you're in bear country, but like the average Salt Laker probably doesn't know if they're in bear country because yeah. to bring it back to my first question for you, most people in this city think we don't have bears. Yeah. So is everything in Utah fair game for bears? Not everything, but like anywhere in the Wasatch is mm. pretty much any like wooded habitat in Utah is going to be home to black bears um, and some non-wooded habitat too. So I would just say if you're hiking in the mountains, especially if you're hiking alone, carry bear spray because it'll work on moose. It'll work on a mountain lion. It'll work on a person. people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's a great tool to have and, and it'll give you the confidence you need just to really enjoy your hike and never be paranoid because it works. It works really, really well. You guys make this show where you talk about attacks. Right. And listening to your show and thinking about this, in my mind, was comparing it a lot to true crime. Uh-huh. Because, like, it kind of is a form of true crime, right? It's like animal crime. That's how we pitched it before we started it, was like a true really? crime of animal attacks. Yeah, because it's like we know that it's these things are fairly rare. They're pretty infrequent. That's part of what makes them so compelling to consider. But like when you step away from it, what you're trying to figure out is where should I be on the spectrum of anxiety? Right. Like how much should I be absorbing this as a potential reality for me? And so like yeah. <laughs> where do you come where do you like land on this, Jeff? For me in Utah, honestly, I'm not afraid to go out in the woods. Yeah, he's a near zero on the anxiety scale in Utah. <laughs> we tell people to bring bear spray because it's smart and it will protect you if there's an encounter. I don't personally use it in Utah. But then like <laughs> in the Tetons or Yellowstone or Glacier, places where there's grizzly bears, like you just have to have it, you know. Probably not going to need it on like, you know, 10,000 hikes, but it's that 10,001 where you are going to really wish you did have it. Well, so Jeff, what you're saying is you don't follow any of your brother's <laughs> wisdom. <laughs> no, I do. Jeff knows yeah. animal behavior a little better than like the typical person. Yeah. My advice is more for people that do have any kind of like insecurity about being around black bears. Just carry it. Like there's no reason not to. If you feel really confident, you're probably still going to be fine. Like I'm not going to tell people you have to carry bear spray in black bear habitat. You do in grizzly habitat. If you don't have a deterrent around grizzlies, you're making a big mistake. But with black bears, it's kind of up to you. But you might as well carry it if you have any kind of anxiety. It's worth it. Okay. And if I'm like camping or like going somewhere really secluded, like I'm going to bring it just to have it, you know? When you do see this stuff in the news, it's often like black bear stalks person or mountain lion hunts person down in this bloodthirsty attack. Or, you know, you see all this language of like, blaming the animal or creating the animal into this kind of monster. And our whole point of the podcast is to tell these stories, which are fascinating and people love, but then to show like, oh, but 
this is why all this happened. Like, these are these factors that the people did that contributed to this attack. Like, yeah, a bear attacked a person, but this bear had also been fed for weeks before it did this, you know? Right. And I think once you have that context to these stories, you start to realize, oh, if I just act appropriately and if I'm prepared for these kind of encounters, I have so much more confidence going outside. And that's what we're finding. We get a lot of messages from listeners saying, I feel so much better. I feel so much more confident. It's weird to me that a story about a person getting eaten alive by a bear would make me feel more comfortable around bears, but it does. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. the power of that information, getting it from people that are actually doing their research about why these things are happening. And it is kind of like a balancing act, I think. Like, you need people to respect black bears. Even in Utah, they're an animal that could kill you and eat you, you know? And like, you need people to understand that. But also, like, the worst case scenario is someone gets so scared about seeing a black bear that they don't know how to act, like they freeze or run away. So I also want people to, like, be able to feel confident that if they see a black bear, like, everything's probably going to be okay. I, this has been such an emotional roller coaster for me. I'm like, one minute in this conversation, I'm sweating. And the next minute, I'm, like, feeling more confident than ever. I'm like, but yeah. I think, I mean, it sounds like... We should probably have bear spray on us. Yeah, it's a good idea, especially if you're on your own and you're not super confident. I think it's a great idea to have it. Know how to use it. Practice sliding the safety off a couple times. It's very cheap. It's very easily found. It's kind of fun to have. Yeah, it makes you feel powerful. (laughs) It's like (laughs) nothing can mess with me now. I got bear spray. Exactly. All right. Wes and Jeff Larson, hosts of the Tooth and Claw podcast. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Last Thursday, a 70-year-old man was hiking in a thick grove of juniper trees near Spanish Fork when a cougar jumped at him. The local hero was able to fight the cougar off and then scared it away by throwing a rock. It was around 1 p.m. in the afternoon. The man drove himself to the hospital and was treated. He is doing okay. But officials still haven't found the cougar, and they've stopped trying. If this incident has you spooked and you want safety tips, there is an episode of CityCast Salt Lake for you. It's called What to Do If You Meet a Mountain Lion, and I dropped the link in the show notes. Now, I asked Wes and Jeff what we should be most worried about on the trail these days, and they said snakes, moose, and quite honestly, you guys, other people's dogs. If you live in Salt Lake City, I bet that one resonates. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. You can find the Tooth and Claw podcast wherever you listen to this show. And while you're there, rate and review, please. We love your ratings and reviews. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye. Bye.